Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, educating, empowering, and connecting Christians to stand on God's Word and truth. A man who won't stand up for his own principles is not really a man at all. Get involved by emailing comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. You can't handle the truth! Now, here's David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, the remnant. Thank you so much for tuning in, and welcome to this edition of Stand Up For The Truth. Very important show today on deception, on spiritual warfare, on Satanism, what's happening in our culture and our country. And we've got a first-time guest I'm excited to introduce to you in just a minute. Let's open in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for giving us another day to point people to you, to make an impact for your kingdom, And we know your kingdom is coming soon, Lord. We pray that we would be encouraged today. But also, I ask in Jesus' name, you give us wisdom and discernment. Lead us by your Holy Spirit. And may those who are listening be challenged, encouraged, and informed. And may they take action on something they hear today to raise awareness about what's happening, not just in our culture, but also in the church. We love you, Lord. We commit this to you. We pray that you'd be glorified, the name of Jesus would, would be exalted, and that we would be reminded that we are in a spiritual battle, and Jesus is our only hope. Thank you, Lord, for giving us your Holy Spirit. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Cults, deceptions, Satanism, the supernatural. Where do we start? <laughs> well, how about in the Christian church? We are warned to come out from among them and be separate. Most of us would admit the increasing spiritual darkness today goes hand in hand with the landslide of immorality and rebellion against God that we're seeing. Interest in and fascination with demons, the occult, witchcraft, the paranormal have never been so high. We expect these things to be popular in a pagan society and among those who don't know God. But what we're seeing more and more is the church opening up its door, giving the enemy a foothold to one or more of these deceptions. This goes beyond false teachings, although sound doctrine is of utmost importance to Christians. We're talking about the demonic realm, a very real battle, and we know all about spiritual warfare. Today's guest received her B.A. in Biblical Literature with an emphasis in the Old Testament and the Hebrew language from Oral Roberts University. She's the daughter of the original Bible Answer Man. Jill Martin Rishi is the daughter of the late Dr. Walter Martin, who founded the Christian Research Institute in 1960, and of course, later, Walter Martin Ministries. Jill received her B.A. in uh, Biblical Literature, as I mentioned before. She also went to California State University after that. She's a regular on KKLA's Frank Story show, and she's the co-author of The Kingdom of the Occult, along with her father and a Christian apologist, Kurt Van Gordon. She and her husband, Kevin, are the managing editors on Walter Martin's 45-year bestseller, The Kingdom of the Cults, and they live in St. Paul, Minnesota with their daughter, Christina, and son, Justin. Jill Martin Rishi, welcome to Stand Up for the Truth. Thanks so much for having me, David. Oh, I'm so excited, and I'm just thrilled to be able to introduce you to our audience. So before we get into uh, a little bit of your background with your father and growing up, I want to ask about the updated book or books, Kingdom of the Cults and Kingdom of the Occult. Tell us why it was updated. It's an 800-page classic Christian book, and where can people get a copy of the new one? Yeah, we are really excited because my father first published this in 1965, and it has wow. never gone out of print. That amazes <laughs> me, and, and from the standpoint of things that God can do. So this book has been out there and has been helping people for all of this time. And now we have a new edition that just came out, brand new. And uh, in it, I tried to go back to what my father did in 1985 as far as the format. So that was the last edition that he worked 
worked on. So I thought, you know, I'm going to just bring this back to him and set it up the way that he had it originally. And we put back in also a chapter on Unitarianism that had been taken out. And it was out for about 20 years. And it's back in now. And the most amazing thing happened, David. You know, you check out Amazon, sometimes look up some things. And I just happened to look up the book and... It was number one in Unitarianism. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but, you know, that tells me something that people are looking for answers mm. even now on Unitarianism. And that chapter is still as relevant today as it was 20 years ago. Uh, Jill, I'm over at Amazon.com right now looking at the book page. Um, I've got the Kingdom of the Occult up. Now, just to avoid any confusion, people go look for it after this program, after the podcast today. Um, there's looks like there's three different versions. One of them's got uh, Ravi Zacharias. I think he did the foreword, correct? Right. Mm-hmm. And The Kingdom of the Cults in the black cover, um, that is the new edition. If you go to Amazon.com, uh, just understand there are three different copies of the book. It's The Kingdom of the Occult. It says with Dr. Walter Martin, and then there's one Kingdom of the Cults with uh, Walter Martin. Underneath that, you'll see Ravi Zacharias' name. And then there's a third one, and that's the one that we are going to be talking about uh, a little bit more today with Jill. The Kingdom of the Cults. And it is a black cover. The Kingdom is in white writing. Cults is in red. Let's go right to, uh, first of all, the, the research for this massive book had to have been extensive and exhausting. Um, How long did your dad take to write the original? It took several years, and he had originally worked on the Jehovah's Witness part of it with Norman Klan. They came out with Jehovah's Witnesses in the Watchtower earlier, and then he went on to work on the rest of the book and then, of course, add to the Jehovah's Witness chapter. And what's really fascinating about that chapter is there is a huge amount of material in there from the Brooklyn Eagle, which is a little newspaper that ran in New York, Brooklyn, for a very long time. And the first instinct that some editors have had or suggestions I've had is, oh, take out all that material on the Brooklyn, on the um, Eagle because there's really, it's not relevant anymore. But if you go back as a historian, I'm a historian. I teach um, history at um, Crown College and the University of Northwestern St. Paul. And so I'm really particular about that. And I went back and I looked at uh, what was in that section by the Brooklyn Eagle. Mm-hmm. It was phenomenal. Wow. I mean, David, it was it was a total record of the growth of the Watchtower in Brooklyn from almost its inception. Wow. So it was an incredible source. So you have that kind of material. And I mentioned that because that's what the kingdom of the cults really is representative of. It captures history. It shows individual belief systems in their own words. Mm. That's the key thing. And I think that's why my father was never sued by anyone over this book. Wow. It's because, yeah, because he used their own words. He wanted to represent them fairly. And so he quoted them directly. And that's what you see in the Kingdom of the Cults. And that's what uh, I did when I was working on the Kingdom of the Occult with Kurt Van Gordon, who was just, who is just the most incredible man. And he was my father's number one researcher at Christian Research Institute. And it's been such a great honor to work with him on both of these books. And what that's exactly what we did. We went back and quoted people directly because it's respectful and it's yeah. truthful. And I think some reviews we've had by people who are pagans is, well, at least it quotes us correctly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. that, and that's so wise to do that because they can't deny it. If you're quoting them, that's the source. Uh, by the way, if you'd like to interact with Jill Martin Rishi with a question or comment during the broadcast today, text the keyword speak up to our new provider, 90100. And you can send us an email, comments at standupforthetruth.com. Um, the book uh, talks about religions such as occults, such as Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormonism, New Age cults, the Unification Church, Baha'i faith, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, and a lot more. The Kingdom of the Cults, the new edition, the definitive work. We've got it in the podcast post today, all linked up. And Jill, I have to make, I have to really confess to you that I misplaced my original copy. I still can't find it. But, <laughs> but 
Last night when I was researching, going through some notes and looking about the book, I ordered a new book. So <laughs> I went and ordered The Kingdom of the Cult. It's in the mail. I'm getting a new one. Let's talk about your dad, oh, Doc, Dr. Walter Martin. A true watchman. I think he really kind of set the the stage for a lot of us that would come out and want to want to just speak the truth into our culture to reach people with what was going on, the deceptions. And um, share a few memories growing up with your dad, a Baptist preacher for a father, a couple family memories and how that impacted you growing up. Well, one of my earliest memories was uh, of getting up. It was late at night and I came down into the kitchen and my father was sitting at the kitchen table and he had a legal pad and the kitchen table was covered with books. And so I said, where are you going, dad? And he's like, oh, I have to go into the studio tonight. So he was a regular on the Long John Neville show, which is an NBC, was an NBC show and the granddaddy of talk radio as we know it today. Long John Neville ran all night long <laughs> and all week. And so my father uh, ended up on there as a panelist. And that's a, that's kind of a funny story. I can tell again or tell <laughs> later if you want me to. but. Um, he, Anyway, so he was going into the NBC studios, and he was going to debate Madeline Murray O'Hare. Wow. And so I looked at him, and, and he, you know, he talked, we talked a little bit, and I just got the sense as a, as a young girl that he was nervous. And a lot of people don't think of Walter Martin as being nervous. Not at all. <laughs> when, no, when he's going, when he's going to go out to defend the faith. But he was. He was nervous, um, but yet he was very calm and very assured. And I think that is such a, a wonderful description um, for battle as far as the Christian goes. No one says that we we are not supposed to be nervous or afraid. Those are pretty normal reactions yes. when you're ready to go, you know, into military battle. So why shouldn't they apply to the Christian? Mm -hmm. But you can be nervous, you can be afraid, but you can be strong and sure and know and that God is with you and rest in Him. And that's the sense I got from Him. Well, the next night, I talked to my parents and, you know, I asked my mom, especially I said, you know, what was it like? And she, my, my mom was so funny because she describes uh, Madeline Marie O'Hare as a person. My father was talking to me about her theology. <laughs> but my mother was talking to me about her as a person. And she was just very, as abrasive and rude as she sounds on the air on NBC. That's truly how she was when they were on the breaks in the studio. So she was not a very nice person. And it was it was a really wonderful picture I had as a, a young girl of what it means to stand up to someone who is directly coming against the person you love the most, mm. which of course is Jesus Christ. Yes. So that was an incredible example for me growing up. And my father and I would always argue back and forth in the kitchen, not in a, a way where we were fighting, <clears throat> But we would argue logic. And he was, that was one of the things he liked to hear from his kids and train us in is logic. Because, of course, he went the whole full route with Sidney Hook at New York University, learning all that legendary Dr. Sidney Hook at New York University. And we had all those lessons imparted to us. And we were taught to argue from that perspective. So it was a very unique type of childhood, and I'm very grateful for it. I know that goes quite a ways back, Jill. Do you happen to have a copy of that interview with your dad debating Madeline Murray O'Hare? Yes, I do. Oh, my goodness. Is that on your website? <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry, I am struggling with a cold this morning. So, oh, sorry. Uh, yes, it is. Okay. Um, for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with Madeline Murray O'Hare and the what I would consider the damage she did in the, the public schools by removing God, could you give a little background on that? Yeah, that was really something that was huge back in the 60s. She came against the public schools. It was the beginning of the end for God in the public mm. schools. And your dad debated her. Did, did that come up into the debate? <clears throat> oh, yes. That's what the whole thing was about. Okay. It was whether or not you should have religion in a public setting and schools that are funded publicly. So it did come up, and it was a very tense thing. In fact, she would tell him, shut up, Walter. Just <laughs> oh shut up. Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. 
Well, uh, so. thank you for uh, giving us a little background there. I, I would love to hear so much more about growing up with your dad and uh, his, his preaching and how that impacted you. And I'm glad you were taught um, how to think, not what to think, as kids today are being told. Right, but right. when did you start uh, working with Jan Markell? How did you meet Jan? I know you work with Olive Tree Ministries. And how long have you been uh, together working over there? I met Jan back in 2007, and it was when I'd been, I had just finished writing uh, certain portions of the Kingdom of the, of the Occult. In fact, I say finished writing because it's a, the Kingdom of the Occult, which talks about, of course, witchcraft, Satanism, all of the dark things, paganism. Um, that was based almost totally on my father's work. Uh, Kurt Frank Gordon and I wrote sections where he did not. All right, we are going to take a break. That's a perfect opportunity for Jill to go get a glass of water and uh, reconnect with us. We apologize for the connection issues this morning, but when we come back, we are going to talk about many articles that we have on the decline of Christians, particularly among millennials in the Church, the increasing activity of witchcraft, and more young people heading towards that direction, the demonic realm, and also uh, witches casting spells. Do these spells have any power when it comes to Republicans, Christians, conservatives, particularly Donald Trump, which they are casting spells against him? And an article where Franklin Graham came out and said demonic activity is behind all this. We'll talk about that and more with Jill Martin Rishi when we come back. If you want more info on the topics of today's show, then visit StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, back to David Fiorazzo. We're on the line with Jill Martin Rishi, father of, <laughs> daughter of daughter her of father, Dr. <laughs> Walter Martin, uh, talking about the kingdom of the occult and kingdom of the cults and uh, two great books, which now we are moving on into what's happening in our country and culture. And I've got an article that says... Heads spin, as Franklin Graham says, demonic activity may be behind Trump opposition. Well, Eric Metaxas chimed in and said, it's not almost demonic. You know and I know at the heart it's a spiritual battle when uh, he was interviewing Franklin Graham. Now, that was the beginning of a conversation, Jill, that never really got to develop because of the time restraints in that interview. Uh, with uh, Franklin Graham, and certainly wasn't a full explanation of spiritual warfare. So some people would hear this and laugh, but I think Christians need to be reminded that this is a very real battle. And this opposition I was going to ask you about, it goes back to witches casting spells when Trump was uh, first became president, and uh, they cast spells on Justice Brett Kavanaugh during all those hearings, and the angst and just the demonic activity that seemed to increase during that time. A lot of people, like I said, will laugh this off. They think, oh, they're just ignorant for thinking this is a very real thing. But there's power there, and there's a very real demonic realm. Do these spells do anything? Well, the Bible says that an undeserved curse never comes to rest, and that's in Proverbs. But you know what, David? I think you're seeing here, and when, when uh, Franklin Graham says these things and the world responds the way they do, you're seeing here the dichotomy. You're seeing here the split. Christians believe in the supernatural. We believe in the sixth sense, so to speak. The Bible tells us that this world is far more than anything that we can see, but the world itself does not believe that. They believe simply in the natural. They cannot believe in anything or refuse to believe in anything outside of their five senses. So anything supernatural sounds bizarre to them and they mm -hmm. laugh at it. They don't want anything to do with it. They can't seem to wrap their minds around the fact that it exists. But for thousands of years, that's all mankind has believed. We have always believed in the supernatural. You go back to any ancient culture and you will find a belief in the supernatural is prevalent everywhere within that culture. It's only in the last 150 years or so that mankind has rejected anything outside of the five senses. This is all new on this scale, on a global scale. So I think that's what happens when Franklin Graham says, well, demonic activities behind this, people laugh and say, oh yeah, right, mm -hmm. uh-huh, like that really exists, because they've rejected. They've rejected thousands of, not only God's truth have they rejected, but they've rejected thousands of years of human history. So they can't grasp it, they can't understand it. But we as Christians know that 
that there is so much more to this world than what we can see. There is the incredible supernatural power of God. That's all the Bible is. It's a, like a supernatural library mm. of material where God shows his incredible power over and over and over again, and then offers that power to us as believers in Jesus Christ, that power for living the Holy Spirit and his strength. Ephesians 5.11 says, Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. And that's what you and Jan and Eric and I and a lot of people around the country, the watchmen, we're trying to expose these things. We're trying to raise awareness about this. Last week, Jill, I saw an article about a new children's book for sale at Walmart, and it's even suggested for a school curriculum. It's called A Children's Book of Demons. It has a cartoonish drawing of a demon on the front cover, and I think a demon on every page inside, a different kind. Uh, just innocent fun, right? It's marketed to kids 7 <laughs> through 10 years old. What's wrong with this? I mean, they're caricatures or, or cartoon demons. Wh why do you think this is a problem? Because it's a doorway. The Bible tells us this is a tool of the occult. Occult simply means secret power, and it's secret power that does not come from God. Well, this kind of a book on demons for children really is a doorway, and it shows them how to open this door. It's cracked open, as my father used to say. There's a door that's cracked mm. open from our dimension, the dimension of Earth, to another dimension, a darker dimension. And that doorway is cracked open. And when you have tools like this that explain things and are more than likely passing down ancient knowledge, because a lot of these books that we are seeing published today on the occult are not just coming from thin air. People are going back to books that are in the public domain. They're going back to very ancient occult books. So the demons that you see listed on those pages are very likely demons that were summoned back in medieval times. And I'm not kidding, because that's where a lot of occult publishers like Llewellyn and others get their material from. They go back to the ancient sources or the old sources and quote that. So you are really handing your child something that is not only a tool of the occult, a doorway to evil, but really um, something that will destroy their lives and yours too. And I say that with a lot of confidence, not in um the fact that I know that evil is going to destroy, but there was a man by the name of Dr. Kurt Koch, and he researched the kingdom of the occult for 40 plus years. He was a German theologian. He was such a meticulous researcher that he literally was invited to psychiatric conventions to present his case studies. That's what he did. He made case studies on the occult. He would go to people and find out what they were playing around with, what they were using, whether it was Ouija boards or any any kind of interactions, talking to the dead, interacting with mediums, and he would record everything that happened. In and every single one of them, David, every single case, that person's life ended up destroyed. Hmm. So I'm not just talking about something I think happened. I'm talking about something I know will happen when you become involved in the world of the occult. Thank you for clarifying that and putting it that way, Jill. In a couple minutes, we're going to talk about what's happening actually in the public schools and what's happening as far as what's being taught. But um, there's an article that came out almost exactly a year ago, uh, Newsweek, and there's a quote in there that's uh, kind of concerning. It says, millennials are seeking more freedom in their spirituality today, and interest in astrology and tarot card readings have spiked in recent years. We'll put this uh, article in our podcast today, and it says the number of witches rises dramatically across the U.S. as millennials reject Christianity. I know you've talked about that on a recent program with Jan Markell and Eric Barger. I would love to get your take on this, and it is concerning, isn't it? There's a connection here. Oh, definitely. The supernatural is real. There is a dark power. The wonderful thing is, the good news in all of this is that it is just not anywhere near the power of God. That's one of the lies our culture teaches us, is that good and evil are equal, but they are not. God's power far surpasses anything that Satan can do because God is the creator and Satan is the creation. Amen. Let's go to this next article, um, Charisma Magazine. 
did a year in review, and I think this was also uh, from last year. I'm just pulling up these articles that we should be keeping up to tabs or up to speed on. Our country is embracing, (laughs) our country, it says, is embracing Satanism at an alarming rate. And there's info in here. There's a couple of examples of people that are actually deep into this. It says, all major satanic groups have claimed large increases in membership since the election of Donald Trump. This is so, this, is this politics? Is it just rebellion? Is it really Satanism? Well, there, one satanic temple says they're gaining thousands of new members. And uh, let's see, they said in the first 36 hours after Trump was elected a few years ago, they said the impact was astounding. It says people have a desperate need for something to rally to right now. So, Jill, let me ask you this. Why would they, they're upset about a a political result or the result of the election, right? Why would they rally to Satanism and not God or not seek other sources? Well, the Satanic Temple is an interesting group because they began simply as a publicity stunt. Hmm. And they really came out, uh, their whole intent was to attack people of faith. That's how they began. And so they started out believing in Satan as a being, and then their website morphed over a period of a few months into atheism, agnosticism. So they basically call themselves atheists or agnostics. So they're Satanists who really don't believe there is a Satan at all. And so uh, they go into more political activism mm-hmm. and combine it with satanic uh, images. Uh, so in fact, there's a, a chapter I just did on them that's coming out in a, in a separate Kingdom of the Cults handbook that uh, actually should be released here soon. And I talk about who the Satanic Temple is and what their plans are for all of us. And they really are uh, definitely strong activists. They came out with after-school Satan clubs for children in elementary school and high school because it was a direct response to the good news clubs that are in schools across America. And so they said, well, if the Christians can come in and teach their good news club, then we should be able to teach our after-school Satan club. Can you believe that? I mean, Jan Markell says, I never thought I'd see the day. Well, that's that's how yes. I feel. I never thought I'd see the day yes. when, you know, af- we had an after-school Satan club popping up, you know, in our neighborhood. And I'm glad you Very brought that sad. up. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, Wicca is a 501c3 uh, under yes. the status of religion or a religious organization. I believe that they go by the Interfaith uh, Church of Wicca or something like that. But yeah. they do have a nonprofit status. They've been in this public schools for decades, and we're going to get to how they are pushing an agenda of witchcraft and Satanism in the next segment. But they have. I think I heard this right, Jill. You probably know for sure. They have about 1.5 million um, members, roughly. And in in the U.S., the Presbyterian Church, I think, is 1.4. Am I close to those figures? Yes, they're the the size of the the Wiccan uh, audience, especially, has grown tremendously in the wake of movies like Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And I know some Christians are very sensitive about that, uh, but. Honestly, Harry Potter made witchcraft a household word. Yeah, <laughs> so I know. it re- it really uh, uses tools of the occult like talking to the dead, tea leaf reading. So there are things in there that are are something that we should be concerned about. But because of that, it was a huge worldwide phenomenon, and because of that, we see this incredible growth in Wiccan belief. And so now you have all kinds of groups springing up. You have college courses being designed in witchcraft. I mean, it's just so far over the top, the rage that's out there in the world, the the longing for some kind of power to control the world around them. And if you don't want God, there's only one other person you can get that power from, or one other being you can get that power from, I should say. And that's what they do, because it is real. You and I know it's real. Yes. What's out there in the darkness is real. What people don't understand is that they are choosing the lesser power. They are choosing the weaker power, the one that is intent on destroying them. 
in rejecting God, the God of love, who, who gave his son for us, and rejecting that greater power, that love that wants only the best for us, they only have darkness to choose from. Mm. I'm glad you brought that up, Jill. No uh, mystery to where we're going now. You mentioned Harry Potter. And on the National Education Association website, there are lesson plans on how to teach lessons, activities, and other resources for bringing Harry Potter into the classroom. And this is nothing. It's, they're not trying to hide it. They, they don't think there's anything wrong with it. So there are things like games and activities. They're talking about casting spells. There are a lot of resources that you can get, discussion guides, Harry Potter websites. It's all connected, and it's all mentioned on their website. Now, let me just bring up another article I found about a month ago or two. A Catholic school in Tennessee actually removed Harry Potter books, and they, they said that curses and the spells are real. Let me read this and get your take on this. And it had to be a Catholic school, right, that came out with this? It's interesting. Yeah. The Harry Potter series of books have been removed from the St. Edward School Library for several reasons. These books present magic as both good and evil, which is not true, but in fact a clever deception. The curses and spells used in the books are actual curses, and spells, which, when read by a human being, risk conjuring evil spirits into the presence of the person reading the text. He continued, The books also glorify acts of divination, of conjuring the dead, of casting spells, among other acts that are an offense to the virtue of religion, to the love and respect we owe to God alone. Many reading these books could be persuaded to believe these acts are perfectly fine, even good, or spiritually healthy. So this school was on to it. They'd understand this is a door, as you explained earlier, Jill. I would love to get your take on this. Why aren't we seeing more articles like this of Christian schools, of, of people removing these books for those reasons? Well, there is a big issue in the Christian world as far as if entertainment is something that we can really judge and say, uh, oh, no, no, you know, this is, this is uh, bad, you shouldn't be looking at it. And the other side says, oh, well, it's just entertainment. Yes. That's what you have kind of, you know, the split in the Christian world. And uh, I think you're seeing a lot of uh, pushback privately, but not in public schools because uh, of that particular take on things. So the Bible says, I always go back to the Bible, and the Bible says, look, you know, if it's evil, you're supposed to stand against it. You're supposed to say something against it. And if you don't, you're going to have to answer for why you did not. So if you can look at Harry Potter, you know, if like my father always used to say, if Jesus is standing in the room and you say, oh, hey, Lord, let's go sit down and read a chapter of Harry Potter together. <laughs> would you be able to do that? <laughs> you have to ask yourself that. Could you do that? Really? And, and I think it changes the perspective of that kind of book and that kind of material. And of course, it wasn't just the Potter books. It was a whole bunch of other books. We had the whole vampire series mm -hmm. come out. You know, that was just bizarre and how they wanted to redefine vampirism. There you go, David. I mean, the redefinition of everything, right? Yes. You have to redefine what a vampire is, redefine witchcraft, redefine everything, and you can make it into anything you want. That's what I think we're viewing here is a death of absolute truth in our culture. Yes. That's what's dying. And truth is being redefined right before our eyes, and the church better get submitted to the authority of the Word of God and Jesus Christ and the authority exactly. of Scripture. Uh, from Harry Potter, by the way, in that, that series, that brand, um, children have learned about demons, werewolves, vampires, magic, spell casting, levitation, animal sacrifices, astral projection, crystal gazing, and communing with dead souls. So for decades now, and I mean decades, schools have not allowed the truth of Jesus Christ, the only living God. And I think it might go back to that time in the early 60s with uh, Madeline Murray O'Hare, as we talked about in segment one. But uh, is Christianity allowed to be taught or promoted? Are they in the Christian? Is any Bible verses or Scripture in lesson plans? No. But atheism, no. humanism, evolution, environmental extremism, or earth worship, and, of course, witchcraft. I want to talk to you a little bit about earth worship and this new religion. We just recently did a little article on uh, Greta Thunberg over in Sweden, who's becoming the poster child now 
for the climate crisis. Jill, I would love to get your take on that because people are now worshiping Mother Earth. In fact, in that article, I think I read someone else say something like, we have done a disservice to nature. So they're not, God's out of the picture. It's this impersonal nature that we're offending in the earth, right? How is this dangerous? Yeah, you know, I call it eco-spirituality, and I think it's the new religion out there, especially the new religion of the left. And it's basically when all things are divine, you know, including the earth, and that's why we have something called the universe that everybody's always talking to, really a non-entity. It doesn't have any sentience. It doesn't have any intelligence, but yet somehow it knows everything about us. Mm. So you have this new eco- Yeah, I know that, you know, it's going to pay us back with karma, but it doesn't, it's not personal. It's it's ridiculous. It's it's totally ridiculous. But yet people believe that, and I think that springs directly from Hinduism. Or you know, we have such a saturation of Hinduism in our society today. But yeah, you know, basically they believe all is one and all is God. So this impersonal consciousness empowers the universe, and and we you know basically uh, they say they don't worship, but we have more than just a responsibility, according to them, to take care of this earth. It's almost like this earth has become divine and to not take care of it in the way that they think it should be done is basically you know heretical and the level of rage that you see coming out from people is something i think you could compare way back uh, to what happened in medieval times during the persecutions that went on and in europe and it's that level of anger like i'm going to do something to you if you don't stop and if you don't do exactly what i want you to do and i think that only grows out of religion david so they can deny all they want that they're not religious and that there's no you know quote unquote god here but the god has become earth and this Mm -hmm. eco spirituality now they're pushing for a climate emergency this is the new terminology i think they've ramped it up emergency because they're going to want to do things that are radical even more radical than what they've already done so we're going to be seeing some some pretty shocking things happening in the next few years i believe if the lord tarries yes and it is all about money and power and politics and uh, you know it also affects human beings they want to control and regulate people's lives so abortion euthanasia If man is the cause of these problems, the only cause, right, man is destroying the earth, then you've got to get rid of some people or not have more people be born, not allow them to be born. Isn't that interesting? It's all satanic, in my opinion. But Earth Day came along in the 1970s, Jill. Um, Now, this eco-spirituality, it's rooted in the New Age. I'm glad you pointed out, I think, in a recent program you did with Jan and Eric, you said the whole eco-love movement, uh, worshiping the earth, is rooted in the Hindu Vedas. Would you explain that connection for us? Yeah, there is a thread that runs through some of the Vedas that talks about the earth and caring for the earth, loving the earth. And I think, again, that's that's part of the earth worship that went on in ancient times. So it that kind of of teaching has been spread and brought to an extreme i think because of the saturation saturation of hinduism in our culture which is what is hinduism it's basically you know what's good for you is good for you what's good for me is good for me you can worship whoever you please i'll worship whoever i please it's all inclusive inclusive whereas christianity is exclusive god says no I am the Lord your God, you are to worship me only. Jesus said, I am the way, not one of many ways. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's pretty clear and explicit and exclusive. Mm. You have the exact opposite in Hinduism. So we're living in a culture that basically is saying, everybody do what they want to do. There really is no absolute truth. We can make absolute truth anything we want it to be. And there's a real problem with that, as you know, because you cannot, there are there are certain things in this life that have to be solid or we have anarchy. For example, you know, we have absolute truth in the medical field, don't we? If we're going in for surgery on our heart, we don't expect the surgeon to operate on our lung and tell us, oh, I thought it was a heart. (laughs) 
No, there's absolute truth in that. There's absolute truth in the automobile industry. There is absolute truth in everything in our life. Does that mean that spirituality or Christianity and or God should be excluded from that? People seem to think it does mean that, that God does, God's not entitled to absolute truth. But that's not what the Bible teaches. There is absolute truth when it comes to God. There is absolute truth in his word. And that's what we are losing today. Mm. We are having people redefine everything till it means nothing but what they want it to mean. And they seem to think that if they want it to mean that, that means it's true. And it's bizarre. I mean, we really have descended into a form of anarchy, I believe. And we need to take a break, Jill, but thank you very much for uh, bringing that up. And, And yes, we are at a very interesting time in our history. And as many of us would see, a very prophetic uh, season that we're in. I want to go back one more thing I want to mention about the Bible w- relating to God and nature and weather patterns. And there's so many verses yeah. in Scripture, but just to close it out, because we want to move on to another topic when we come back after break. Job 37, verses 10 through 13 says, In an instant, I, the Lord of hosts, will come upon them with thunder, earthquake, whirlwind, and fire. By the breath of God, ice is given, and the broad waters are frozen. And with moisture, he saturates the thick clouds, and they swirl about, being turned by his guidance. They do whatever he commands them on the whole face of the earth. And verse 13 says, he sends the storms as punishment, or in his loving kindness, to encourage. That's Job 37, 13, talking about the weather. He changes times and seasons It says in Daniel 2. You mentioned ancient times, uh, uh, Jill. When we come back, we're going to talk about Molech in Rome on Stand Up For The Truth. If you want more info on the topics of today's show, then visit StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, back to David Fiorazzo. We've got our special guest today, Jill Martin Rishi, and she's the daughter of Dr. Walter Martin. You mentioned before we got back on air, Jill, there's another version of Kingdom of the Cults that's a new handbook. Would you like to tell us about that? Yeah, for the very first time, uh, we took the Kingdom of the Cults and um, turned it into a smaller version. So it's a concise version, like a, you can kind of carry it with you places a little bit easier than the 750-page book <laughs> that you could have in your library. And this one you could carry with you. But in it, we talk about, uh, there's a couple different uh, chapters that are new, which is eco-religion <clears throat> and um that we name that this new age spirituality. And then there's also one on the satanic temple, as I mentioned before. So uh, what's also unique to this one is we have sections at the end that I was hoping could be used for Bibles. If people were interested. Um, so we have an explore and then a discuss section. And then you can also dig deeper by uh, coming to our website and downloading um, a kingdom of the cult study guide that we're going to be having up here shortly. So excellent. We've got your website linked up to today's podcast. And of course you've got your Facebook page and uh, we'll definitely connect people with you so they can find out more information. So you mentioned before we went on break, uh, we're talking about ancient times and how, you know, some things never change, right? Well, Molech in the Old Testament, uh, people were sacrificing their children, their babies, on the altar of Molech. And uh, now, uh, what what were the decision makers at the Vatican thinking when they installed a big golden statue of Moloch in Rome, just outside the Colosseum. Do you know more info on that, Jill? Yes. In fact, it was a, a statue that was created by someone who was very deep into the occult. He was on. He was part of the movie industry mm. years ago, decades ago, and he uh, was into magic and all of those things. And he created a statue of Moloch, and it's really frightening. For this one particular movie, he created it, Uh, but there's a lot of evil behind that, and of course, we know there's a lot of evil from uh, the Bible. Moloch was especially one of the the worst. They're all bad, but he was one of the worst in in, uh, what he brought to Israel. They had a statue of him set up in the Hinnom Valley, which is directly across from the Dung, D-U-N-G, Dung Gate Uh. (laughs) that led into Jerusalem, which I thought was quite appropriate and so they set up the statue and anyone can go online and look at how the statue uh, 
was set up. And I think they have it basically right. There was a giant furnace underneath, and then they had a metal statue on top of that with arms that were extended. So I won't go into any further detail, but that was how horrific that particular sacrifice was. Mm. So here you have a demon, which of course God calls these quote unquote gods, demons. He identifies who they are in the Bible. Mm. And you have this particularly evil, I mean, strongly evil. And and the Bible talks about there are different levels of power in the demonic world. So I think this is a more powerful demon, Molech. And you have him rising again, literally on the international stage, Mm. just horrific, a horrifically large statue that the Vatican allowed to be set up outside of the Roman Colosseum where so many Christians met such gruesome death. That's where they set up the statue of Moloch, and it's gigantic. Mm. So you have to ask yourself, why would the Vatican allow this? Because they have control over the Colosseum. Well, all you have to do, I think, is go look at what the Pope has been up to lately. Pope Francis has been photographed at ceremonies where they are worshiping goddesses from the South American region. Yeah, I saw that. And yeah, and these goddesses, guess what they are known for in ancient in the ancient world? Child sacrifice. Okay. Yes. Yes. Well, that, so, that's yeah. a nice transition to what's happening in America. And people think, oh, Planned Parenthood is all about women's health. No, there's something no. that goes really deeper than that. And it is demonic. It is child sacrifice. There's no other pleasant way to put it. Um, anyway, I, and I just saw a headline. It's interesting you bring that up. Uh, Prophecy News Watch. Pope Francis declares that Christian fundamentalists are a scourge. So I guess we're yeah. a pain in his side because we all go back to the Bible. And we're trying to point hit, point the world to the only source of truth, right? Yeah, and you know, Pope the Pope has revealed who he is, and God says this will happen. It has been revealed who Pope Francis is. He is a pagan pope, mm. a pagan pope. He is the one who meets with the imams, the Islamic imams, and decides that Allah is Jehovah. Wow, yes. It's just, it's just, you could call it bizarre if it wasn't just plain evil. He is a pagan pope. I do not believe by his actions and his words that he knows the Lord even. And that's who you have leading the Catholic Church. And this particularly, you know, um, really fraternizing and worshiping and allowing these demonic statues and gods and goddesses to be placed publicly, I think is just a big flashing red light that you are dealing with a man here who is evil to the core. Mm. And for those of you who think Jill Martin Rishi is being sensational or provocative, I have heard other uh, Christian leaders and religious leaders suggest something similar about the Pope. It's interesting, some of the things, even the Catholic Church, I think, are kind of split over some of his decisions and, and some of his statements. They are. Uh, Jill, before we run out of time, um, I do want to wrap up, but we've already ruffled some feathers. Let's ruffle a few more. Uh, there's an important and uh, controversial topic that divides Christians, uh, and, and particularly women, and that is the practice of yoga. Um, there's a mega church in our area that had chapel yoga a couple times a week in one of the sanctuaries there. A lot of Christians have no problem with doing yoga. They think it's just stretching, exercise, meditation. Is it harmful? Could you please, I know it's, you could probably spend an hour on this, but could you, could you kind of give us the nutshell of why this is a concern that Christians get into this? Well, I think it's fascinating that Hindu yogis, Hindu teachers call yoga Hindu evangelism. Hmm. That's what they call it, Hindu evangelism. Why? Because they know what's behind it. Every single one of those positions was created as a worship position to a Hindu god or goddess. So you when you are doing them in that particular order, in that particular way that you go through in a yoga class, you are actually acting out worship positions that were designed for Hindu demons. Mm. 
If you go to India, you will notice on many corners there are golden statues or little statues, and you'll see people doing Hindu evangelism, doing yoga mm -hmm. right in front of those statues. Why? Because they're worshiping. So I know that there are only a certain amount of ways that the, the human body can be you know, contorted or moved or stretched <laughs> or whatever. I know there are only a certain amount of ways that you can do that. And I'm not suggesting that that every Christian doing this is worshiping demons. I'm saying stop and think about where this particular quote unquote exercise came from. Where did it come from? Are there better things you could be doing? Could you do something that's just stretching? <laughs> could you do something involved in dance? Do you need to do yoga if you truly understand where it came from? Because in yoga, they want you to open up. Open up your inner self. Open up your spirit. That is the core of yoga. Why? Because something wants to fill it. Yes. That's the danger in it. So no, we as Christians cannot be possessed, but we can be harassed. Mm. And that's something that you want to keep in the back of your mind when you're doing these things. Of course, ultimately, it's between you and the Lord. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. I didn't think it could be done in a couple of minutes. You were so good at putting that together for us. And before we let you go, we're talking to Jill Martin Rishi. We'll connect uh, you with the book, The Kingdom of the Cults by Dr. Walter Martin. And Jan Markell has come out with many editions of her now popular. I never thought I'd live to, never thought I'd live to see the day. Jill, if there were one thing, now I'll put you on the spot, what would be on the top of the Jill Martin Rishi list of what you never thought you'd see in your lifetime. One thing. I never thought I would see the day when there would be such rage in the world that people literally are consumed by delusion. The Bible says, God says he will send a great delusion. I never thought I would live to see that. Mm. And it's there. It's here. People are just literally consumed deluded they cannot see and it's in mass numbers Amen. that to me is incredible delusions of there is no truth replacing god calling evil good jill martin rishi we're gonna have to do this again thank you so much god bless you and have a merry christmas season merry christmas david when we come back we'll wrap up today's show a couple guests on tap for tomorrow we're getting ready to wrap up today's show Stand Up With The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpWithTheTruth.com slash donate. Now, here's David Fiorazzo. Hard to believe how much we actually covered with Jill Martin Rishi. I was looking back at some of the notes and the articles, and I'm going to have to go back and listen to that podcast. Anyway, tomorrow I'm excited to have two guests on Stand Up For The Truth. Our first will be Ryan Morrow from The Clarion Project. He's a national security expert, and he really is knowledgeable of the Middle East and what's going on there. Also... Tomorrow's guest in the second half will be author Gay Francis Willard. She wrote a book, put a book together called Every Knee Shall Bow, a Christmas collection, and it's brand new. I want to definitely encourage people to check that out. Every Knee Shall Bow, a Christmas co collection. We'll talk to her tomorrow in the second half. And then Friday, Todd Nettleton of Voice of the Martyrs. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please share our podcasts on social media. God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.